everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when? And well, what do I do when? So that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. I have three kids. I have <laughs> I have two in college. I have all girls. I've, I've been a primary at-home parent for the last eight years. I've been on the PTA a couple of times, vice president, treasurer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full in, active dad, all of that. Yeah, seen it, know it, done it, tripped over it, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm thrilled. And yeah, well, welcome everyone. I'm even going to lead in right with that. This was a great introduction to Rashid Curtis. (laughs) Dear, dear friend of mine from what seems like lifetimes ago, um, but isn't. Uh, We pick up right where we leave off always. And that's lovely. We were just kind of putting heads together about like, you know, what kinds of stuff can, can parents hear that, that helps, helps them, helps our kids, like make sense of things in turbulent times. And, and we sort of were like looking at a conversation of the difference between, you know, our parents and how they handled launching us, getting us ready to launch, and then how we're parenting and what it looks like to get kids ready for independence so to speak. And I already, I mentioned to you, I have another episode recently about the illusion of control. So this is a nice continuation of that. Like, no, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
So tell me about like, we, we were saying, let's start with the positives, right? We were saying that um, every, it's also a generational phenomenon to sort of grumble about the way these kids today, you know, don't know how to do what they're supposed to do. And it's going to be a mess because, because everybody's getting it wrong. And yet, I mean, there are some things our kids are facing that, that, that we don't have to. So what Oh, we- no, 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 no. I mean, I don't remember having to go to bed thinking about my interactions with people when I woke up, right? So I never had to wear a mask. I never was concerned about, I can't say that, but I'll finish that thought. I wasn't worried about uh, uh, in-school shootings in that regard. Uh, I did grow up as a city kid in the 80s and went through that period of crack wars. So I'm not saying I don't understand school violence. No, but they were fist fights and, and, and gang related things. I mean, it was something you could navigate, right? There wasn't the random, I'm pissed off at everybody, bring in an AK and shoot down the school. So I, I never had to do that. I didn't grow up with technology, right? So there was no internet. There were no personal computers. There were no smartphones. Um, so the things I did in some degree, thank God, are ghosts to the ether because <laughs> there is no evidence. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I also grew up with the expectation that you showed up when you said you were going to show up because there was no way for anybody to check up on you. Um, your commitment to your word was more important because there was no follow-up. You were supposed to be home at five. You were home at five. There was nobody to call you. There was no text message to remind you. There was no email notification. (laughs) There was no event that popped up on my phone (laughs) told me it's time to start working. You know, like there was none of those nudges. So I think that part of my attentiveness to details of, 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 of it, it, it causes you to start to think about things in sequential ways that you don't have to think about anymore and not cutting those pathways in kids' psyches. I think we're, we're living through and seeing what it means. They, they don't have, they don't know what, the concept of time is a very loose one for the modern child because they are prompted almost their entire day. It's the next thing I have to do when my smart device tells me to go do it. And that is a much different way of you don't organize your day. You don't have a plan for the day. I time box my almost my entire day because that helps me navigate. I don't need a watch. And I can tell you, eh, it's about this time right now. And I'll be okay. <laughs> I still got a couple things to do. So that's interesting though, too, because then that's two things built in, in terms of they've got technology set up to, to prompt, to nudge, to negotiate, to remind. And then they have so often a, a parenting set or, or strategy where they're, where parents are, nudging the nudge you know trying to make sure that's set up like it's we're so between technology and parents acting as their kids 
you, you know, clearing the path, making sure things are happening, doing a bunch of reminders and, and sort of. Yeah, I, I think it's because we're concerned that if not for the technology, how will they survive? <laughs> so we're trying to say, oh, yeah, I understand that you don't really need that clock the way it works for you. But if you didn't have your phone, you would need, you know, and so we're trying to teach them these ways to survive, to get through without technology. And I coming to an understanding that that might be a waste of our time. It's the same thing, like our parents saying, get out of the house, go play, whatever, come home before it's dark. And then not having another input is the same amount of resistance, right? We have to choose to do that too. I need you to get out of the house and don't tell me anything. I need you to go and come back at six or seven o'clock, whatever, and I'm not going to check in on you. I'm not going to nudge you. I'm not going to ask you where you were. I'm not going to ask you who you saw. I, right? Like, yeah. it's a lot of we have to resist that desire to know so that they can develop some of those skills that they never got because they were helicoptered everywhere. Everywhere. Well, because what it does, right? Like the curling analogy that I that I use for folks in the opener, right? Is that the idea that you're 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 sending this orb forward, but the way that you win at curling is to brush the ice in front of this orb rather frantically, frenetically, if you look at it, right? Until it's placed just right. Right. And right, and that's the so and, and so it does two things, like this curling parenting, helicopter parenting does yep. two things. It it, 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 and it runs, you know, it runs blocker football. It, it takes things out of the path and it steers in a certain direction. And it also fosters a dependence of sorts on external things, even if that external thing is us, right? We want our kids to know we'll be there for them. We want our kids Absolutely. to feel attached and close to us, but, but the frequency and the anxiety with which that that connection happens really, really sort of, it, it, it unnaturally handles hardships for, like prevents hardships for our kids and then sets them up to be dependent on us when they do come <laughs> to handle them. I, I, would, I love this curling thing because <laughs> think about this also. It's um, the orb doesn't get to choose where it goes. No. It's tossed directed some way down the and then it can't be touched <laughs> by the sweepers so they're around there clearing paths <laughs> hoping that you land exactly where i want you to land without really just placing you there and saying this is where you're supposed to be yeah um, and then if you do the your your best job the other team can knock you out of the winning circle on any toss, right? You can land perfectly where you're supposed to be and the other team can say, yeah, but that's my two points. Knock and and you're gone. You're no longer where you're supposed to be, right? 
yeah. and you lose the game. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, I think that I and it, and and that's why it's I think it's good. It's a good metaphor. It's just um, you know, I think part of the challenge is you got to stop tossing the kids in the first place. Right. <laughs> no, really. Like it's 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 um. You know, I've I've often said that our our academic system is is kind of backwards because we 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 have a large funnel. We bring all of these kids in, and then we set them in these blocks and tell them to learn. When when after you watch kids for a while, you realize you want to bring them all in and then say, "How do you learn the best?" Like right, and then you want to ask them, "What are you interested in?" And then let them find their interests. Not like, are you interested in being a doctor? No kid understands doctor at, you know, five. But if they like pulling things apart, well, yeah, that's, that might be something. Yeah. Um, do they like building stuff? Do they like working with their hands? Do they like getting groups of people together? Right? Like these are these higher level ways of thinking or organizing their time that we should encourage because those are the things that manifest in great people skills, hidden EQ, ten, you know, yeah. uh, tendencies. Um, uh, if you, you know, builders and, and people that break things, you know, like it's all, you know, like those are, those are buildable kind of pathways. Um, and how the brain works regardless of technology and all this other stuff. Um, so I think as parents, like, and, and they say this about us as Generation X people, that because our parents weren't around, we really want to be around. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the lesson of like, I don't know, 10,000 years of evolution is to leave them alone. <laughs> leave them alone. <laughs> like, what would you, is that what you would set say? Them out, send set them out. Set them out. <laughs> um, but, but whatever it is that they do, I don't care if it's, uh, you know, it's like if, if they're going to play soccer, it should be a three-hour activity. And, 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 and the reason why is they should have to get there, spend some time with their teammates, do some non-soccer stuff to build relationships, then play the game for a while and then hang out afterwards together and do their homework. Cause, cause that whole thing will build the whole person scooping them up to go to soccer. And then they finish that and scooping them up from soccer to go to dance and then scooping them from that to go to tutoring they keep going from, you know, it's like the same thing. They're prompted to go to the next thing, but they don't ever build the relationships that I think are important to really finding their self-motivation and their self-interest. It doesn't matter what it is that they do. It's that they need more time with their peers and less time with their parents. Well, and and it's also too the, the idea that, that they're there where we're, it's interesting when you if we really were to step back and pause and say what are we what's our end game right i mean it's how it almost feels like we're trying to pump our kids full of 
renaissance options <laughs> like yes. this this parenting well rounded and and from this place of what like bars because <laughs> we need each other we need all the diversity in the world and the differences in the way our different brains but it work. comes from people finding just expressing what they're rooted at that is the diversity yeah right if 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 if, if i have a random group of friends somebody's interested in music that's their thing somebody's gonna is a stats person is going to follow baseball. Like these are just guys, right? Somebody's going to be into music. Somebody's going to love sports either for the sport or for the stats, right? (laughs) Stats, future trader, whatever, right? It's like, that's how it starts. Somebody is going to be trying to make something or break something. Yes. Right. Right. And so that is the diversity. What (laughs) we've done is we've created these little gardens of people. And then we try to mix the gardens and call that diversity. And it's like, well, it's because we still look at everything through some shade of pigment or race. And we're, we're not, and we call that diverse. Like if we lost the veneer of race and then allow people to do what they want to do, we would get really diverse outcomes because people would do what they want to do. Would do naturally what they want to be and able to not, do. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, doesn't matter what century you plot me in, I'm still going to be interested in real estate. I'm still going to be business oriented. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when in the cycles of humanity you put me, I'm going to be the same person. And, uh, and, so. and people are, right? I mean, I think that's an interesting thing for parents too, right? Whether you're in some of my audience are adoptive parents, some are parents by, by birth and, and there is this, that's back to the control thing, right? We, we really, I think for folks who parented uh, for a while, parented more than one child, you, you, you know, especially as you're looking, you, many parents I talk to don't hesitate to say, oh my gosh, they were different from the moment they, they joined me. Like they were, they, they, I can look back and see threads between my three daughters and yes. that are like clear as a day now that we really were, were handed <laughs> this thing that already came with ways of being and doing and whether you call it neurobiology form, <laughs> but just small. <laughs> all you really ever had to do was wrap them in bubble wrap and send them out into the world because they were going to, right? My, 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 my second daughter, who is a singer, used to scream so loud it would... <laughs> It would, it would, it would give you goosebumps, not like goosebumps, like the good ones, like, like horror movie. You're like, ah, like what's wrong with her? Now she's in like three choirs. She's a traveling, you know, like, because what she was trying to do at six months was sing, but couldn't do it. So all that came out was these crazy yelps that would be like blood curdling. And you're like, somebody please go get her whatever she needs. So, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, so I, I, so I, 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 I say that because I, I really do believe that we as parents try too hard to make everything work. And it's because, and why it is, I don't know. Each of us have our own motivation. Uh, from our own background, 
that we're trying to correct in this version of ourselves where we're parenting. And, um, and I would just tell people to relax a little bit and, and try to leave those kids alone, let them really. And if you could benefit in this time from having a circle of friends that you uh, trust your children being around all the better, but put them together and walk away, go have some wine and do something else. Like I can't even imagine how freeing it was for my parents to send me out to go play on a Saturday at like 11 and me be gone for six hours. Right. <laughs> and right. without a worry in the world, like they, they didn't they just just go like, I don't care what you do. Right. Don't don't make somebody else call me that you did something wrong. Right. Don't break anything that, you know, I can't afford. And and, you know, be back before the lights come on. We're <laughs> city kids. So we had street lamps. And when the lamps came on at the same time then that meant that you were supposed to be home. Like, don't let the lamps come home on before you get home. That was the rule. Everybody had the same rule. Most of the parents said the same thing. So you knew. It's like, oh, it's, it's looking kind of dusky right now. <laughs> we need to get out of the park and make our way home. Yeah. And, um, and, for, for, and for people to be right, like, when's, like, you ask parents now, when's the last time you had six hours to yourself that you were not, um, actively shuttling kids from a lineup of activities exactly. meant to enhance. One of the key things that I hear, and I and I work with lots of teens, and and you know, so that so hearing the kid version of loving parents, well-meaning parents, people who who we all hope to emulate in terms of how kids feel valued and seen. But the flip side is, kids also feel as if. There, and, and this is a saying that comes up a lot is this idea that um, we don't want to close a door, right? To keep the piano going, even though we all know it, whatever, because, because what if it, it's like the what if of parenting sort of, if you stop that's fear, fear, but if you stop oh, this I know it. activity and that closes the door for you, somehow we imagine that literally there'll be this narrowing of, choices and we will have harmed you because we didn't know to to push you to keep a door open or we couldn't see we didn't anticipate that door shutting and we should have like again this idea that we're we're parenting from fear that our kids will lose if we don't anticipate what they need and renaissance them in every direction so they'll have absolutely 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 so all three of my girls took piano lessons from like way too early till they said no more and and along the way you know accumulated accolades for piano prowess blah, blah, blah. and then none of them will touch a piano now right yeah who wanted them to know how to play a piano this guy right yeah. right um, and so I projected that on them and they didn't know any better, but you know, so is it cool that they can read sheet music? Yeah. Is it cool that if they needed to, they could sit down? Yeah. 
But am I imagining that they will be the 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 accompaniment to the next Beyonce from their time on being on the piano at eight? Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like we, yes, we, but that's because I think we've also witnessed the randomness of success. And we do believe that if not for being in the right place in the right time with the right person, that, maybe your kid is either the star or the accompaniment, right? But none of us can pick the place where you get struck by lightning, right? Like, like what we're looking for is a lottery, like somehow exposure will lead to a lottery opportunity that you couldn't get anywhere else. And the lottery opportunities that in all reality, that have occurred economically have come from your relationships with friends, not for what you do. It's being Mark Zuckerberg's roommate in Harvard when he's doing something and him going, what do you think? It's like, oh, that was pretty cool. All right, I'm going to try to pitch this. You want to come along? Sure. Like that was the lottery ticket. (laughs) And nothing to do with piano lessons or soccer or any of that. It had to do with the randomness of your relationship. Steve Ballmer is a Bill Gates friend who doesn't even know computer science at Harvard. And he then five years later, they say, oh, you need an MBA type person. He's like, I think Steve got an MBA. Let me give him a buzz and see what he's doing. Like that's the randomness. It's, it's, it's uh, the Google founders, somebody saying you need an adult in the room and them going, oh, this guy over here, we met him at a cocktail party and we both liked him. So let's see what he's interested. Like it's, that's the randomness, not what he did. Not was his experience. Did he have a relationship with somebody that was meaningful? So if there's anything we should be doing is get out of the house, go meet some people and spend enough time with them that you develop a meaningful relationship. And that, that's because that's the only part of this. And this is what's terrifying. We can't control <laughs> I'm like, we're trying to make something totally random, lightning, strikey, lottery, predictable. We have tried to. Every way possible. We cast our net very wide and make sure our kids are running in 75 directions in case they get to capture, you know, the, a firefly bit that that sets them up. And And I think, yeah, what I also hear in there, too, is it's really funny, right? Being in being in midlife uh, and and thinking about like the timelines of this stuff, I mean, more and more you realize, and then, and, you know, that saying it is, you know, perhaps overused, but like, you know, people remember how they feel in your presence. People are, you know, like, how can you listen? Can you support people? Because the other thing that happens is we start to think for obvious reasons, since we have our kids most intensely, it almost feels like we we believe we're front loading because we got 18 years, you know. And if you're if you're a family that gotta get them, yeah. gotta get it filled up before they leave the house. Well, it, as if they don't the leave, <laughs> they don't leave, they don't leave. <laughs> and like, 
if you do all that, they will not leave. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's yours. You need a motivation because this is the launch thing. It is. So yes. what happens is we think, and, and we have this idea that if we get, you know, certain, again, if, if you've been in a family that's had access to resources for college, like you sort of think like, this is the crowning, you're putting all this together. So you've swirled up this perfect formula that doesn't close any doors and opens the perfect ones for college. And then your kids, you know, and then it's sort of like, there's this weird drop off at age 22 or 24, if you think or five, if they're going to do graduate school. And, and yet this is, that's the first you know, quarter of a human's life. And so there's like long haul thinking about this is important and, and recognizing that that humanness of connection, you know, you want your, your, your child to be a 40 year old who does not fall apart when they can't control the doors that didn't open for them or who feels like a perpetual failure because you yep. know, they, they didn't t- make the right choice. I see so many teens and young adults paralyzed because they want to know the outcome of where they're going. They want to be very clear what door is going to open and what is behind it. And is it the right place to land so that they can yep. be happy and successful before they will step? So they're absolutely paralyzed. Um, and we did that to them. <laughs> Yes. Right? Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm busy doing it every like I'm trying to undo this so that everybody knows, right? Like every day is like you can talk about this in theory. Oh, no, absolutely. So what does absolutely. it mean tomorrow when I'm parenting? How would I parent differently tomorrow if I understood that the curling parenting lends itself to anxious decision makers who have a belief that if they move in one direction or another, it could be wrong. And so they won't move at all because there's a right and a wrong choice. And they're going to wait until they get a clearer sign from the universe, (laughs) which path is the correct one to be on. Right. Like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that. um, So they're, they're actually not anxious decision makers. They're just anxious. Yeah. And they don't actually know how to focus that anxiety. And this is why they start spiraling. Yeah. Um, my own observation. Remember, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. I didn't study this stuff. But this is just what I see. Yeah. So if, if, if decision making is a skill that requires practice. And the way you practice is by a lot of micro decisions on what you do next. And that means that you can't schedule your child and expect them to figure out, to know how to schedule their day because they never practiced. You can't tell them who their right friend should be and expect them to pick friends if they didn't practice picking good and bad people to learn who's a good person in my life. I mean, it's, it's so clear to me now having like at the third child, I don't tell the last one anything. I don't, I, she's on a volleyball team. I'm like the best teams perform when the members of the team know each other, then play for each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> go spend some time with your teammates. When we go to tournaments, like what's everybody like the match is over. What's everybody doing? I don't know. Go spend some time with people. You should find out. You should know your teammates, if they have brothers or sisters, what they like, what books they read, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's like, why do I need to know that? You don't need to know that. But the more of a relationship you have with your teammate, the more you can help them when they're down and say, hey, I know you got a test coming up. Um, we just got to get through this. Maybe I could help you with your math. Like that is the thing that then makes that person more eager to play hard in the game than we're here for 30 minutes. And, you know, I got to do five, you know, 50 sets and 20 spikes like that. The yeah. skill part is not it. It's I don't want to lose because I don't want to let her down. That's my friend. You're not going to serve like that on us because you're not embarrassing my friend. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's like yeah. it's the attitude to defend your 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 crew, your tribe, whatever will ignite certain passions in your child that are, to me, the things that are meaningful. And, right, and turn into social justice and turn into all other kinds of living a principled life and living uh, and having a good that. sense of writing wrong and all that because it feels right. But you don't get it yeah. in 45 minutes. Well, and the other thing is that this 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 helicopter renaissance curling and perfection parenting also pits kids against each other accidentally. Absolutely. Right? right? I mean, like it really is like they may shut that if they walk through that door first, it's gonna be closed for you, kind of a thing that that ends up at And really who's accident. a bad kid? Like, I mean, not not granted. We all know that yes. there are some bad kids. But <laughs> well, I would have a theory. All the right kids <laughs> know who the bad kids are. Like we don't, as parents, need to say, "Do you?" They know. They already have self-selected their crew, and almost always they are decent kids that somehow are a reflection of themselves. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And, and if they're, and if they're not, there's learning from that too. Right. I mean, I think that's the, it's the, it's comes back to, I really like what you just said there. And I want to highlight, because as we're, we're, we're wrapping up, that's a nice, a very sweet spot. I really, when you said teaching kids to navigate by feel is so important in terms of like, you want them to be able to, um, you know, tune in to how it feels to connect with other folks around them to what like the, their sense of right and wrong, their sense of decision-making, their sense of belonging, their sense of working with people who are different from them. That's a whole other, I'll have to have you back to that was back to the, the gardens, but, but the idea of like that they will know, they will, they will know how good it feels to be part of something, to connect with other people. And that Absolutely. that is, it's the interconnectedness how we make people feel and the ability to trust themselves because when we're doing it for them, they don't learn what is there. Once the chemicals process a good feeling, you know it every time you experience it. 
right? When your hormones tell you this person was a good person for me, the next time you're in the space of another person like that, you automatically, that's why we're attracted to people is because the last time we were with somebody who made us feel really good, our body secreted a whole bunch of hormones that said, that's a good person for you. And you, and that's the feeling you want to trust, right? I remember we were, um, I was traveling in Europe um, and uh, I can't remember. I think it was my father said, who was a naysayer about everything, was like, well, how are you going to know if somebody's saying something bad about you if you can't understand the language? And I said to him, from what I can tell, the profile of an asshole is the same in every language. I don't need to know what you're saying to know that you're a jerk. Yeah. Right? Because you project jerk. (laughs) I can avoid jerk everywhere I go. Yes. (laughs) I don't care what language it is. Yeah. I don't care what skin color you are. I don't care, like, male or female. Like, I I, I understand, right? Because at this point in my life, I've had enough people that I know that when I get those that yeah walk away yeah doesn't matter what they say to me they can be saying wonderful things to me and i know walk away yeah that is the survival stuff yeah that i really want them to learn doesn't matter then because if all the technology goes away that remains yeah, right? that's in the DNA. That's the stuff that swirls in your body, no matter what the circumstance. What would you say? So I've heard you say to, to summarize, it sounds like as your, your final thoughts today, <laughs> I heard, you know, leave the kids alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> like as a summary, right? you had three points, leave them, leave them kids alone. And, you know, encouraging, I think, just being mindful that when you're doing for your kids, that they are not learning to do themselves and they're not building the muscles and and they're just not. And that we've got to take a look at parents, you know, to extrapolate at what our what our ego investment is like. Can can we discount the term? (laughs) Yes. Our ego investment. That, that is, wow, that rings so true because we're not doing it for them. There's a piece, right? We tell ourselves we are and sure we'd like our kids to succeed, but we also know that we will feel a certain kind of way if our kid appears to be facing a lot of closed doors or appears to have made some wrong, you know, appears to have made some wrong choices, then, then we direct, that comes back to this notion that that we have direct control over what their outcomes look like, and that it will have a reflection on us, right? So there's a lot of overcompensating. So sort of noticing how attached you are to your child's outcome and how that drives anxious helicopter curling parenting, which lends itself right. on a parallel. But every helicopter parent would be happy if their child was wildly successful in a non-traditional way. But you can't program non-traditional paths, right? RuPaul's parents had no idea (laughs) 
just just walk with me on this. Had no idea. But ultimately, he is by far one of the most successful entertainers of the last generation. And I would guarantee you they are still ultimate, you know, like they're happy. Yeah. With his success. But you couldn't plan that. Right. <laughs> no. There is no, no manual. <laughs> Right? There's, <laughs> there's no that's a good takeaway there's no manual for rupaul and the success that the rupaul but 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 not for rupaul yeah. not for jay-z yeah. not for mark zuckerberg not for yeah any one of these uh uh, uh elon musk like each and every one of these individuals emerged out of whatever it was Right. And, 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 and most of them, having been of our generation, they were left alone <laughs> for hours at a time to, to pursue whatever it was that was interesting them. And no one cared. I think the last thing I would say is parents need to energize themselves. Yeah. And so the time away from helicoptering. Yeah. They can be better human beings because they're not as tired, they're not as stressed, they're not as they're not as anxious if they can live with the choices that I'm saying. And in, in effect, then they become better people for their children. Children. Right? Because then somebody comes home and they're like, I was all day doing blah blah blah. And I had this interesting conversation with whomever. Now you have all the energy in the world to say, let's talk about it. Yeah. What, well, what you were, well, what was the scenario? What was the circumstance? How do you think about that? How did it make you feel? Yeah. What about the other people in the group? How did they react? What did you think about that? Right? Because once again, the programming that you want to trigger is that chemical emotional response that tells you good or bad right or wrong fits with me doesn't fit with me yeah is aligned with my values and is aligned with my strengths and all of that kind of stuff i think that's a really yeah may, may we all let let go right like may we all look at our attachment around this stuff and teach our you know ego investment yeah, yeah. Notice our ego investment in what in what happens, what it says about us. If we if we imagine our kids' outcomes a certain way, but ironically, trusting this may yeah. And if I could talk for, we'll have to have. I could. There's so many things I've already thought about. I'd love to have you back to talk about. But like, oh, we can do this again. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that that ironically, when we're doing the all of the front loading, we think it's to help with these outcomes that will fuel our egos, but it's actually backfiring. This is an invitation for folks to look so at it's this backfiring. Is, so, so, so let me bring you back to the first story, right? So my oldest, and I don't know if they recorded this. My oldest is administratively on leave from UNC, right? So my wife who feels a lot more about this helicoptering than I do, right? Because I've evolved to this place, but it became wildly evident to me after my 
in the high school years of my second child. Um, and the reason why is because she got like a five on the AB calculus test and hates math. And she only told me that in the summer after we graduated high school. But the only reason she took, she got there was because of her peer group. And she did not want to not be in class with her friends. So yes, she's highly intellectually and smart and all that stuff, but doesn't like math. But she stayed through trig and calculus because she wanted to be with her friends. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, <laughs> like whatever I did, it, it had no bearing if the motivation at the end of the day was I don't want to be separated from my tribe and for whatever reason and, and that's it was a good group of kids yeah um, yeah all across the board um but that was clearly more important and then I think back to the conversation we had it was always conversations about what was the dynamics going on in her friendship group yep and so I'm not surprised now that she has social butterfly and having a great time at college because she can communicate. She feels confident about making friends. She feels confident about the people she's around. And she's learned from the last time that as long as I pick good people around me, yeah. I don't really, I'll be fine. <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's so, so again, the, the things that we're, the stuff that we we're doing that we think is going to help our kids thrive. We're learning more and more is leading to not trusting their guts and some paralysis and a variety of sort of failure to launch stuff. So no, I love, I love, I mean, I'm not, and it's an everyday thing. So right. You and you and I, well, I make mistakes. I'll make a mistake today. Along these lines, like I, I, 12 mistakes today. But if I, but if I'm aware, oh, no, yes, yes. only 12. <laughs> Oh, it's a good day. Happy Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so that like, if we can see the bigger picture and recognize and give ourselves permission to look at what our ego investment is, back away from it and let, let the kids, leave the kids alone, then that's a great place for parents to take with them. So thank you so much, Rashid. I always okay. have a blast. And um, we will have to do this again sometime for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Love to be here. Um, it was fun. Yay. Till next time. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined. And I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, on Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.